Bring yourself back online. Welcome back to Freeze All Motor Functions, a Westworld podcast that doesn't sound like anything to me and doesn't take itself too seriously, presented by Bolin, a media. We are here today to break down and digest season four, episode four of HBO's Westworld. I am your host, Jared Borislow, known to many as J-Bone, joined as always by the newest member of the Milk Boys, aka the hottest boy band in temperance, Mr. Ross Bolin. How are you, Ross? I have prepared two looks for today's show. Look one is Caleb slash William hair, which you which you see now, but it makes me feel a little emo. So look two is bowler hat, which I will uh I'm placing on my head as we speak. Also I murdered Jared during season three, replaced him with a host. Sorry for not telling you earlier. Question can you please go back and forth between your two looks depending on what we're talking about? So like we're in nineteen twenties world for a while. I can yeah. do that. Okay, cool. I'm a professional. Good. Good. Feels good to be here though, Jared. I'm happy to have you here. I got a lot to say. Yeah, I know. We were, we were talking before, and Ross is like, this is like some of the most I've ever had to say. Yeah, it's the most notes I've taken since season two, for sure, on an episode of Westworld, just because I am a simpleton. I struggled to wrap my head around what's happening, so I'm very much looking forward to uh, unraveling what we watched last night with you two today. Yeah, well, Ross, I'm still confused as well. You're not alone. Hopefully, I got your back, bro. Hopefully Serena can... I, I know one of the storylines pretty well. One of them is, is a bit lost. I got it all now. I understand everything. Speaking of which, I'm also joined by the woman who took a vow of silence from 2016 to 2018 so that she could, she could allocate as much brain power as possible to fully comprehending Westworld's first season. Serena, talk. Hey, um, I am in the middle of wondering if the fruit flies in my kitchen have made their way into my brain yet. Maybe you should take another vow of silence about that, except not during the podcast. That's, that would be difficult, yeah, for us performance-wise. But no, I'm, I'm not joking. The fly thing makes me really uncomfortable. I have I have publicly said a couple months back that there are more flies now, in at least in our area in Austin, than I've ever seen before. Okay, and I think that was the result of like the pandemic and the heat, or I don't know, but but uh, Westworld then having a very fly based threat to humanity has made me uneasy around the flies. Did you say you think the pandemic may be to blame for? The increase in flies. I, f- I feel like all bugs did really, really well during the pandemic. Like people were a lot less concerned with pest control. You know what I mean? So I just, I think the bugs took back a lot of ground. Flies included, wasps included, ants included, roaches included during the pandemic. That's my theory. Okay. That's actually not a bad theory. Um, let's just jump right into it. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Biggest episode of the season thus far. The title of Westworld Season 4, Episode 4, is Generation Loss. Mm. According to my good friend, Will Capadia, constant contributor to the podcast, great guy, Will Capadia. Still no idea who that is. It's Wikipedia, Ross. Generation Loss is the loss of quality between subsequent copies or transcodes of data, anything that reduces the quality of the representation when copying and would cause further reduction in quality on making a copy of the copy can be considered a form of generation loss. Now, I think there is definitely a relationship between fidelity testing and generation loss, except it seems to be the opposite, where the more copies that there are, the better the replicas get and not worse. Thoughts? You get all your definitions for words from Wikipedia instead of Webster? Um, well, I type them into Google, and Google either sends me to Wikipedia or to the Oxford Dictionary. Huh. So. 
Okay. But Fair that's enough. More, I guess that's more of a phrase. So the phrase is going to send you more to Wikipedia, you know? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Do you, did you guys have any other thoughts on generation loss here? I'm sure there's many. There usually is yeah, about 15. Yeah, I have 15. a shit ton based on the episode, though. Like, so... I, I guess I'll just get into this part now. When a whole generation of humans was taken over by Charlotte Hale, right? Via flies. Uh, it seems like what happened is... She had the young kill the old, maybe? Because, okay, there's a line where she says, beyond a certain point, human beings' brains are too rigid for her to control. Yes. Meaning, beyond a certain age, those humans were not of any value to her. And when we see shots of the populace in whatever fucking city that's supposed to be, in the present-day timeline, uh, or our furthest along timeline, I should say, so far, there's mostly people under 40. That's a good point. It's not a bunch of olds, so I think maybe she had all the... It's just interesting that it's called Generation Lost, because it's almost like it should have just been the only generation left. That's a good point. It, right? it is like we lost the older generation, which is funny, because that has like nothing to do with 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 what I said about Wikipedia, yeah, yeah. but it makes complete sense. It yeah. does seem... I don't see any old people. Yeah, that's why I hate Wikipedia right now, because he's just confusing me further when I feel like I've got a good grasp on what... Yeah, it's just an, it's an interesting title that makes you think a lot about what happens during the episode, which is usually the way they go they do a great job with their titles in general they really do also um you could look at it as the younger generation is actually the one that's lost since they're absolutely taken over by a virus absolutely yeah i mean either way you could look at it either way the generation that's lost is the one that's under control by her yeah charlotte hale talking about a super spreader event and then all the old people dying seems a bit on a bit on the nose it was no but in a good way though that too yeah you think it's a good way though ross i mean it did it didn't strike like on the nose to me typically means cheesy or like over the top obvious whereas this was just kind of i mean the line the super spreader event of the century was a little on the That's nose. what we called your birthday party. Yeah. But the <laughs> on the whole, I think it's, you know, it was a cool way of kind of tying in some of our modern issues to the show. Just like how... More of them, I should say. How Some people were wearing masks uh, in season three's trailer, and they were like, Westworld predicted the pandemic with the hell, man. They're always on top of everything. Yeah. And it turns out they weren't on top of a lot of things. Uh-huh. As far as the episode description goes, it is, quote... Should all acquaintance be forgot and days of all lang syne? With, of course, that is the last two lines of the first verse of the famous song Auld Lang Syne, most well known as the New Year's Eve song played to ring in every new year by uh, Ryan Seacrest and Ross's favorite actress, not for her acting career, but for her non-professional medical views, Jenny McCarthy. It's a Wonderful Life is what that song reminds me of. But I also didn't know that was a description. I, I stopped paying attention to the descriptions after episode two because they're just misleading. Do you guys like the song Auld Lang Syne? The only time I ever hear it is New Year's Eve. Right when the ball drops. Bro, I cannot. When, where are you where the ball is dropping? I'm watching Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. Is that what you do? Yes. I haven't heard this song other than watching It's a Wonderful Life since I was like 10 or something. Uh, well, I looked into Auld Lang Syne a little bit. Number one, I've actually always... Of course you did. Why wouldn't you, Jerry? I've always wondered about it because I was like, what the fuck does Auld Lang Syne mean? That's not English. It's clearly some sort of like British Isles situation. So, fun fact. Auld Lang Syne 
is written in a little-known language called Scots that is very similar to English, but it's oftentimes unintelligible to English speakers. Scots and modern English are sister languages, both derived from the same language, that language being early Middle English, like the shit that William Shakespeare spoke, you know? There's like some weird, like the, like the Fs or Ss and shit. I don't know if you guys ever color marked in uh, high school. Are you on Adderall right now? No. I'm on okay. ca- caffeine vapes. I went double barrels in my nostrils. You sure you didn't snort Adderall and go down the Auld Lang Syne <laughs> rabbit hole last night, Jared? Well, get this, Ross. In a way, I think that all this makes modern English and Scots both examples of what happens when you combine generation loss and language with different repeated copies. That's Adderall. Of early Middle English eventually becoming different languages. Now the question, should old acquaintance be forgot in days of Auld Lang Syne? In the context of the song, is rhetorically asking, should we forget our old friends in the time we spent with them, with the obvious answer given later in the song being no. Now, this relates to the episode. I'm bringing it back here, Ross. I'm bringing it, bringing it back. In that Maeve never forgot about Caleb, so much so that it ended up killing Caleb, because as we see, the reason why all this whole entire season got kicked off, because Maeve's like, wonder what Caleb's up to. Was like, ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the grid and find out, and then that's how they tracked him down. Um, that's why you have to unfollow your exes on Instagram, otherwise this kind of thing happens. Exactly. She, she, she went. She just typed, wanted to check in, man. It was no big deal. I was just checking in. Yep. I accidentally hit the like button. And, and then, <laughs> then, then you're looking at the ex's Instagram, and you accidentally Apple Play it to your TV, and your, and your current girlfriend's sitting in the living room, and is like, what? the fuck is this? She thinks it's her because she'd been stalking the ex-girlfriend too. So she's like, oh fuck, you're both frantically trying to get it off there. She looks over, sees you're more frantically doing it because she can't, yeah. Apple play and a bitch, you bro. It's not trustworthy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed that that explanation about Auld Lang Syne. That totally, totally was was intended by the showrunners to have somebody break it down for a just, few minutes. Just wildly unnecessary, yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of our thing here. By the way, we also see Christina thinking Teddy is an old friend who she can't remember, which is what Auld Lang Syne talks about as well. j Christ's sake, move <laughs> on from the song. Okay, now Serena, I must commend you once again as your theory that we would be done with the cold opens starting this episode was 100% correct. Please clap. Well, we don't know yet. We don't know. This just because they took an episode off doesn't mean we're done with them. I think I specifically just said I don't think we're going to see it in the next one. And I'm going to take all of my wins because I could not have been more wrong about Caleb is Westworld Jesus. So I really need you to just give me this one. <laughs> I, you definitely have it. I mean, yeah, it seems like what, what's the opposite of Westworld Jesus? What's what's Jesus? But well, he eh, you could say he died and came back to life and maybe he's a sleeper cell now. Yeah, I mean, is Jesus listen, a sleeper cell? Serena thoughts. Is Jesus a sleeper cell? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was not prepared for that question. I don't um, think many were. <laughs> also, as a like maybe the most uh, secular person I know, I'm just I have no frame of reference for that. Oh, you're the most secular. Wow, dude, you're so cool. You're so secular. Oh, Serena, Ross and I were talking before the show. We're like, yo, Serena is so secular. Yeah, I did say that. <laughs> Serena, thoughts. On which part? Now you've lost me. What is wrong with you? Let's talk about what happened in the episode, Jared. <laughs> okay, let's start off with the Christina storyline, because it is the one I understand the least right now. Okay. 
So a quick recap of the Christina scenes this episode before we dive into trying to understand what's going on here. And again, Christina is the character being played by Evan Rachel Wood that looks exactly like Dolores. Yes, the one that my minus, ru- minus her blonde hair being brunette. Now, my working theory, which may have also been yours going into this episode, was that Christina existed in a world before season one. Right. And, and it was was the eventual inspiration for the host who was Dolores. That's where I was at before this yes. episode, for sure. And it is absolutely not where I ended up uh, by the time we were said and done. Not at all. So we get that opening scene of her laying in bed, this time with her eyes closed, sleeping, oversleeping, actually. Now, for me, when I look back at that scene, having now watched the episode, I'm like, it's so fucking obvious this whole time that she is not a human being because they are showing us the host day beginning every single fucking time we see Christina. So why did I convince myself that they were doing that as a red herring when really clearly it was not? I mean, I'm not with you there because I don't think I've completely decided she's not a human being necessarily. Like her roommate's a human, right? Her roommate gives us the whole spiel about how she has this dream of these flies getting at her and her two parents and they get to her parents first and then she wakes up from the nightmare, but that nightmare was very clearly exactly what happened to her. Because what we find out is that timeline with Christina is our most furthest along. She's in the same one as we end up with Caleb and, and Charlotte Hale at the end of the episode, working at the company that Charlotte Hale is running, the entertainment company. That's the building that she is doing all of this, uh, what's the word? Testing? What kind of fidelity, te- fidelity testing, testing with Caleb is inside of the company that Christina works at. When Caleb runs out of the building, he passes the logo, and you realize, oh shit, is Christina and her roommate the exact same timeline as where we're at right now, making Christina actually one of the authors of what is occurring with all these humans, because Charlotte Hale has flipped everything on its head, right? Season one, human beings are using the robots as entertainment, giving them narratives and storylines and creating their lives for them, where they have no real choice. Season four, Charlotte Hale has already won the war, as we find out, has taken the tower technology and installed it, so she is in control of all the human beings, and then either has other human beings writing narratives for the human beings, or... To your point, Christina could just be a full-blown robot that is, for whatever reason, been placed into the situation she's in. We just don't know yet. We don't know that far along with her storyline, which is why it's the most confusing. I'm at the point now where I think that Christina has to be a host created by Charloris. There's there's no other way that she could be working at Charloris's company. There could be some fuckery where Olympiad Entertainment has existed for a long time and Charloris down the line ended up taking over. That doesn't make sense to me personally, especially with all the tower talk. We know that in Christina's world, the tower exists. If the tower exists, Charlotte Hale clearly created it. Um, now you you did say you think Maya is a human because she was dreaming. Remember in season one, the hosts do dream. You get Maeve dreaming about her daughter. You get other dreams that we see. Yeah, but why have Maya be a robot? Well, Serena might have a thought on that. You had to take that you thought Maya might be a handler of sorts. I still think that she is a plant of some sorts. I flip between thinking she's planted by Olympia Delos. And now, like, there's these moments where I wonder if she's supposed to help her on her path. Because why would she introduce her to Teddy? Like, that was very pointed and then there's that scene where Dolores in the or sorry Christina in the last episode is 
looking or sorry two episodes ago where she goes to the psych ward and she calls Maya and she's like this is so weird and Maya's like just go home like it's almost like that voice of reason in her head kind of guiding her but Ross made a really good point with I was kind of on the fence but when Ross said it's not that she dreamed it's what she dreamed it's that she had the dream about the flies taking over her whole family yeah she which a human. I think what yeah she's a human yeah well and that's so I was on the fence until you pointed out that and I think that's a really good observation and it makes me more in on she's probably of the human generation but that doesn't mean we don't know who's controlling her because if all the humans are under some kind of control there's clearly something going on with this whole Teddy showing up thing so I here's my read if okay so Christina what's her roommate's name Maya Maya tells Christina I'm gonna hook you up on this perfect date takes her to this bar, the same fucking shit happens. She drops her shit, Teddy picks it up, don't mind me, just trying to look chivalrous. We're, there's so many moments in this episode, especially in Christina's storyline, that are direct parallels or literally lines from season one that it makes me believe what we have here is Charlotte Hale in control of the world. Charlotte Hale has somehow, is I think she's in in control of, like, in charge of, like, Teddy Flood. I'm talking about Charlotte here. I think Teddy is a plant. I think Maya is a plant. I think everything around Christina's storyline is to control her, just not her subconscious, which is clearly trying to fight its way out and warn her of what's happening because she's painting the tower. Yeah. Which means some piece of her is aware of the tower. And what my read there is that none of the human beings can see the tower. They're completely unaware of it. Even though it's right there off the island on its own island, they cannot see it. They cannot hear it. They are completely unaware of it. And, but my read is that maybe this is Hale's way of keeping the good, and I'm doing air quotes here, the good Dolores under wraps. Like maybe she couldn't, maybe Charloris, who is Charlotte Hale, right? This, this evil version of Dolores, which also gets brought up in this episode that may have thought that was Wyatt, and then she realizes it's not Wyatt, that was confusing, we can get to that later. But I think there's maybe a world or a reason that, like, good Dolores, the version of her that was good, has to exist in some form or survive the Rehoboam thing in some form. And and Charloris had to take good Dolores and put her into a situation where she could control her, keep her under wraps, keep an eye on her. And that's why we've got this whole Teddy Flood roommate and all this bullshit happening, right? But that's just, that's where I'm at so far. We don't have any, enough information to get a full story, but it yes. does seem like keeping Christina employed as a writer, keeping her close, feeding her these narratives that her subconscious would be familiar with, Teddy Flood, blah, blah, blah. That that's all a piece of her plan to control, of Charlotte's plan to control these people and keep Dolores, or good Dolores, as I would call her, under wraps. I mostly agree, but I think that Teddy's here to wake her up. Because we have this moment in episode one where the maze appears outside in her fire escape and Teddy's standing underneath. And this was kind of my initial theory, is, th is that she a version of Dolores's consciousness is uploaded into Christina and I think Teddy is here to break her from that loop and I, I Teddy's just always been the unequivocal good guy so it would also be very strange to subvert it, it also would be very Westworld but I think it would be very strange to subvert the idea that like Teddy and Dolores have always had this weird connection and I I do think that he's here to bring her out of the loop yes I am not convinced that 
First off, I'm not convinced that Maya or Teddy are quote unquote plants. I think both of them have no idea. Like both of them, I think, are in their own brains working on their own. Like they don't know that they're under somebody's control, right? Well, but the difference being Teddy is a past character. Yes. Now, right? I, and... I do not know yet whether or not Teddy is under Char Loris's control to Serena's point. I'm extremely confident. Because of the maze on the fire escape. We, yeah, but think the of it only this other way. time we see the maze is with Frankie, old Frankie, C, the True. resistance against Char Loris. But why? Okay, but Frankie and, and C and the resistance, if you haven't figured this out yet, C is Frankie. That's, that's very, 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 very obvious. Uh, they say it. <laughs> they're running around. Out of, yeah, they do eventually say it. They're running around out in the desert and putting on these fucking cloaks to cover themselves so that Charlotte Hale's drones can't find them. Yes. Why in the name of God would Charlotte Hale allow a Teddy Flood to wander around in the world she controls freeing people? That is not realistic. It's not possible. Yes, she, I know. He's a plant. All that shit is controlled well, why by would Charlotte. She, why would she allow Bernard and Stubbs be going around, fucking around? She doesn't know what they're, they're off with the resistance in the desert or whatever. Yeah, but remember this. Remember, Teddy is in the sublime. So somebody, Bernard even, could have hacked into the Sublime, uh, taken him out of there, made a copy of him. Now we're getting somewhere, yeah. Jared. Could've, now we're getting somewhere. Bernard could have made that Teddy copy from the Sublime, which he has access to, put it into the real world to free good Dolores. Maybe. It's possible. But it is, it is like, it's hard to know how much of Bernard's story we've actually seen, right? So here's where we're at with him. We've, we've watched him venture into the Akechita multiverse sublime. And, and check out all the different versions of the world possible, all right? He wakes up where what's-his-name has been taking care of him, watching over him this whole time, and then they immediately go out to start this mission. So it would have had to be between those things, right? Like, he would have had to have realized what was happening, seen all these possibilities, realized there was a Christina out there and that maybe he needed to get her in the game somehow. I don't know, yeah. but, but that is one thing I could see. I, I like your theory. So two things I want to point out. Number one, the timelines that are now on the same level are Bernard and Stubbs with old Frankie, Caleb running out of Olympiad Entertainment and realizing that Charlotte Hale controls the world. But those are both the we same think, timeline. We think they're the exact. If they're not the same, they say they're they are. very close. Well, okay, yeah. okay. Well, they, they don't say they are specifically. They say it's been 23 years. Frankie yes, clearly looks right. like she's like 30 ish. So, like, right. so we think those line up and that they're in the exact same yes. timeline. I'm with you. Yeah. I think Stubbs and, and Bernard and then Frankie. Well, I guess Frankie, Stubbs, Bernard. That Christina, timeline. Maya, Teddy. Christina, Maya, Teddy. And Charlotte. Caleb. I think those are all the same timeline. I'm with you. Now, I'm same page. Now, my, what we've talked about, w Ross, I will say, unbelievable commentary thus far. I, I think... I'm crushing it. Thank you. You are, cru like, you are on I, another... That's what I'm telling you. I spent a lot of time thinking about it, bro. R you're on another astral plane right now. I did not read a single article. I do not come in here off Reddit. Like, none of that shit. It's just me watching the episode... And taking notes just for the record. I don't like people who pull a whole bunch of shit yeah. off the internet and then go, oh, these are my takes. Season one of this show, we said, we do no not use Reddit. Internet. We all do this together because you go on Reddit, somebody's got the right answer. You yeah, got man. some showrunners, kids, dog watchers, right. little nephew <laughs> who fucking found out the ending. Okay, yeah. So, so I, I, I love doing it this way with y'all. And honestly, I mean, you're giving me a lot of credit right now. All of my theories are based on our last three podcasts. So yeah. everything we've talked about, and even that conversation we just had, like... We moved it along a little further, right? So it's it's really, it's a team effort. Thank you, though. So I think that my last point right now before I get back to Serena, because she probably has a lot to say. Uh, we, are, we are right now watching the new hosts, a.k.a. humans, who are under control of Charlotte Hale, go through exactly what the hosts went through in episode one, season one of Westworld, where they are starting to have these little deviations, 
these little ways that they're deviating from how they've been programmed, and they're starting to get this little bit of sentience. You have the crazy guy in the bridge. You have, I mean, now you have Dolores seeing the tower. You have the guy who Dolores wrote the narrative for. Yeah. Like, we're literally just seeing the complete opposite of season one of Westworld, where instead of the hosts getting sentience, it's the new hosts, the humans, under control of Charlie Hale, getting sentience. Crazy. It's it's an amazing job they've done. Serena? Um... I was just going to say that I the reason that I'm like do or die on the the Teddy is there to bring her out of her loop thing is because with the maze like it was always the host's journey into consciousness so I feel like there's no way that they're bringing the maze back to mean something different in this version and um I think that was all I had to say really I feel No like that makes sense. Them. I mean I'm with you now. It's like it's just there has to be reason for all this and i think y'all's y'all's theory tracks i am now fully in the same in the boat that that teddy was brought back by bernard to free good dolores because he knows everything he knows that charlotte hale has created a good dolores potentially for the same reason that good dolores created the bad dolores which ended up being charloris because there needed to be some sort of uh you know some sort of way to really like be a counterpoint to her. Right. Like, hey, just like good good Dolores needed bad Dolores, bad Dolores needs good Dolores. Right. I think it's one of those one cannot survive without the other type of situations, maybe. Yeah. But, um, and maybe Charlotte Hale had her lock and key stuck in her loop, and then Bernard has found an angle. I mean, seeing as that Bernard is our main protagonist, it's, it's like, it's hard for me to believe that anybody else would have, and he just went to the Valley Beyond, which what you said was perfect, man. That's where Teddy was. He would... It's the only thing that makes sense right now is that that is actually what's occurring. Y'all's theory about Teddy trying to break uh, Christina out of her loop definitely tracks. And, it, sorry, this is the last thing I'll say on it. Teddy is named Teddy in this. Yep. So we we know, like, they put that in the watching with yep. subtitles perk. His name is, the character's name is Teddy, whereas everyone else, well, not everyone else, but, you know, Dolores is Christina. So it's clearly not a copy that isn't aware of what's going on. Yep. Yeah. And I love the concept of like the, the subconscious being able to sort of attempt an escape, right? Which yeah. is exactly what happened with the hosts in season one and all those little deviations and everything. I mean, I think that's a very important part of where we're at with Westworld. You have to be able to reference season one in your mind as we're going through this current season, because there are so many connections that give you clues to where we're going. And I really freaking wish that they had gone right to season four from season two now. Yeah, man. I mean, that's always going to be a massive question about this show is like, what the hell did they, I mean, was it all just because of COVID and the pandemic and the whole thing just sort or they, they needed this uh, buffer season to set up some other pieces so that this season would make sense. But season three will always sort of be this lost season of Westworld where we were all like, what the fuck is this? But the beautiful thing is we popped out halfway through season four, just as on track as we were for a phenomenal season of TV as we were at this point in season one. Yeah. Which is really, really saying something. It's true. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Life throws everyone curveballs from time to time, and going through those situations alone can prove extremely difficult and exhausting. Many, many people have found having a licensed professional who can help talk them through life's twists and turns to be extremely helpful, and that's what you'll get with BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Ross, you're in therapy. 
I am. Um, I've argued that it is essential for every human being, regardless as if you have any real serious issues or what you could call serious issues. Therapy is great, man. It's just a way for you to relieve a lot of the tension, anxiety, and stress you build up over the course of life. We all we all deal with different challenges every day. And, and for me, for over a decade now, therapy has been a major part of what helps me maintain. With therapy, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you. BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change therapists if needed until you find the one that's right for you. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. Speaking of BetterHelp's therapists, here's an actual testimonial that a BetterHelp user gave about their licensed therapist, Kelly Ryan. Quote, Kelly Ryan is helping to bring me back to life and I am so grateful to have her in my corner. Talking with her is always the highlight of my week, end quote. Nothing like a good therapist, Jared. Nothing like it. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself, and they have a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash famf. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash f-a-m-f. Famf. Famf. There's a link for that deal in the description of this episode. Okay. Because the Caleb and Mave, or was it Maveleb? Maveleb. Because of the Maveleb timeline. Everyone wanted Maleb, and she gave him Maveleb. Yeah, the, the V in there. Again, it sounds like some sort of food dish. Do you are you happy with yourself? We made a we made a clip of that, which you can find on our Instagram or TikTok. our YouTube or our Twitter everywhere. Uh, you know, are you are you happy with yourself, Serena? Um. I'm satisfied because I can tell how displeased Ross is about it, and that gives me, like, just a little bit of joy. Um, it's really fucking me up. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I think I'm not alone in that. So, like, it's like that, that's, that's messing with me in my mind. It's like a fly in my brain. Well, because the Maveleb timeline was insane this episode with flashbacks and replays and all manner of other bizarroness, uh-huh. I think we should attack it by reorganizing it in chronological order and discussing each part of the timeline as we go along. Uh, are you asking us if that's we agree? No, nope, I already did it. I was gonna say, I'm looking <laughs> at it. it. Looks like you've you've accomplished that already here. Okay. Yourself. So first, there is Caleb and Maeve's mission during the war, during which Caleb got shot. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna stop you. Let me run us through it the way we saw it. Real. It'll take two do minutes. It, do it. Okay. Do it. All right. Maeve and Caleb destro- are on like a secret mission by themselves. They destroy the very last of Rehoboam, which Maeve pronounces differently than everyone else to Hated ever say. That. That, what that the fucked f- me up. I, st- I played it back like three times. My wife was like, she has an accent. Why is this bothering you? I was like, accent my ass. We've heard this said, what, eight, eight not 12 episodes now? It's the last of Rehoboam. Rehoboam. The fuck was that? So Caleb gets capped. During this, but they take out the last of Rehoboam. He's bleeding out and shit. Maeve saves him to hospital. Well, Takes him to hospital. We didn't think he was going to get saved to hospital, but that's the next thing we see is he's in hospital. I think, Let me finish. Okay, okay, okay. He's in the hospital. Maeve decides, oh, look, I've seen this vision. This nurse that's taking care of him, he could develop a relationship with this woman and have freedom, his own life. So she leaves. Leaves him there. He marries her. He has Frankie. And then one day Maeve gets curious, and she goes into hiding like Jason Bourne, leaves him to live his life, gets curious, tries to check in, shuts out the power, all the shit happens that we saw in episode one. Charlotte Hale finds them as a result and kicks this whole thing off in, into motion, right? And I guess we can jump to your, your version from there because that's just that begin, the first several things we see with them 
set up the rest of the Mavlub episode, and it's less important um, that I tell you in order from there. But I did want to say, like, that's the first shit we see with Mavlub. Yes. Right? Like, in that order. That is, is the initial... extremely confusing. Yes. So, that you essentially did put it in chronological order, just the first, just all that part, yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, you essentially yeah. did what I was talking okay. about doing. Okay, Which, you actually, I was crazy for a little bit there. Well, I, I still think you're crazy. <laughs> um... Big, big part of the episode for me that I took as being, like, really important and I still think could come into play, but, like, it was kind of a throwaway thing, I, so I really need your guys' take on it. Yeah. When Maeve is, or, sorry, when Caleb is bleeding out and Maeve is like, do you want to see what freedom is like? I can hack into your limbic system, right? She does that, and that seems to, that gives him this view of freedom. Is that what connects Maeve and Caleb now. Is that how she's able later on to hack into the grid and see what he's up to? Because she has hacked into his limbic system and can see what he is up to because she's done that hacking. And is that later on the connection that Maeve and Caleb have that makes it so that Maeve knows Caleb is not going to let the fly can make him kill Maeve because she knows that they have this crazy connection inside their brains that Maeve has made that Charloris doesn't know about that is like... And that's what is that what Caleb is referring to when he says too many questions, Bone, one at a time. This is my crackpot theory, so I get to get ramble as much as I want. That's my crackpot theory, and that is what Caleb. Wait, wait, what is the theory? Okay, so uh, my first question, yes. and Serena, I want you to answer me, not Jared. <laughs> Does the limbic system get brought up in season three? Yes. In what capacity? It's that the plant in the roof of his mouth okay i'm saying this for everybody who's like me and remembers literally nothing from season three so you're telling me in season three they explain the limbic system and they show us that he has a thing on the roof of his mouth that can be accessed yes okay and that was both... what that whole um when they're trying to reprogram him that's what they're using Is i thought that was his adult retainer that's what it reminded me of <laughs> so he opens his mouth and you see the blue lights and i think there are a lot of us who were thrown here because you go whoa what the fuck what was that I didn't remember that. I didn't remember the limbic system. I remembered that there was some version of like biohacking or whatever that they were kind of participating in in season three. But that part was kind of it really confused me until I got to where we are yeah. now because I was like, wait, is he already a robot? Why is she able to hack into him, etc. Now from there, I am I'm I'm a little torn on your back half of the theory where it's like, is that the reason that Maeve? And Mavelub are both sort of resistant to the situation that Mav or that Caleb is able to not do what Charlotte wants him to do, or is it because he's an outlier, which comes up again in this episode and seems to be a very important part of what is happening in the war between Charlotte and the human beings? Yes. Outliers are still being sought out; they're being recruited, they're being extracted from society and brought into the rebellion. So it's one of those two things for sure. I'm just not sure which one. So, but I really I think when when we get that terrible. Like, uh, victory before the victory is taken away scene of Caleb's like, I've got something you don't have. Do you think that's like the connection with Maeve that, that she doesn't know about? Like, like I, a, I, I think it's a soul kind of, he was trying or to be is it like, free will. Is it free will? He, I think so. Okay. Like he, like he doesn't have to do what she says. He has free will on like the robots to have a, to do to with the program. Certain, yeah. I mean like it's clearly the fly thing is effective in controlling the humans. But I think there are some, Caleb being one of them, these outlier people who have some level of resistance to it. And maybe because of his experience over the past two seasons, he's developed an even further power there. I'm not really clear. But he has a level of resistance. He is able to not shoot Maeve. He shoots the man in black. 
He is able to not. Bad shot, by the way. Should have should have been a kill shot. Should have should have domed that man up. Should have given that man a dome. It was distant, but yeah, it was. I mean, you know, it was just. It was interesting to watch him struggle with all that. Like, and I I said this uh, before we started recording when I was rewatching the episode, first episode I've rewatched of the season. Yeah, the I came in and Ross was rewatching it. I was like, what the fuck? But it's um, <laughs> what were we talking about? The how Caleb was able to disobey Charloris. Oh, yeah, watching him, watching Aaron Paul act this was, <laughs> I, I recognized pretty immediately this probably took a lot of takes, and it's a, it, I'm not knocking him. That's the piece of this that's important. I'm giving him credit. This is an insane challenge. Hey, play a, a robot who thinks he's a human, who was a human in last season, like all the different elements of what he has to do. So when he's going, rolling around going, ah, ah, like trying to resist as he's doing, it looks a little silly, right? It's a, it, that's a very difficult acting job. And I thought he did a pretty good job considering. Um, Are you complimenting Aaron Paul's? I am. The, this is the first it? time. Okay, Serena, legitimately, has Ross been replaced with a host? I, I feel like if he had been, this would be like the way that it, it would signal help to us. So... <laughs> If he hasn't been replaced by a host, then the flies have gotten to him, and we need to be concerned. Jesus, fuck. Yeah, Jonathan Nolan and uh, Lisa Joy did show up at my house last night, and things got weird from there. I don't really remember. It might have been a dream I blacked out. So Ross pretty much went through all the stuff that happened with Maeve and Caleb and the hospital and that stuff. So then, after that, chronologically, we go to the reveal of how it's yeah, yeah, Maeve's fault that Caleb eventually died because she tried to check in with him. Check in, check in on him. Like you said, the Checking in on your ex never goes well. Doesn't. Do we do we get any sort of like romantic vibes with Maeve and Caleb here? Yes. I, I feel like in the last episodes, they've like alluded to them maybe banging like a handful of times. No, I'm not saying that they did, but like they definitely alluded to it in a way you were supposed to wonder because there's that part where he's talking about him, her saving him during the revolution. And then he's like, what about what happened after? And I'm like, did they fuck? Like, what's going on? Crackpot theory. Robot Frankie is actually Maeve and Caleb's half-robot, half-human baby. There's a lot to work with here, especially, uh, I mean, obvi- like, Caleb ends up marrying a black woman, like, the, the Maeve is black, the, it's, it's all of that, that, it's very confusing, it makes you wonder what's going on there, right? Like, in the way this information is presented to us, where Maeve's like, we went on a mission, we destroyed the last of Rehoboam, you got shot, I took you to the hospital. First of all, it's really questionable the way this all unfolds on screen, where you're like, why are the... So it's just them two. They're off. They're the whole army. Why would you not have more people? It's just Maeve and Caleb off. It's a really weird mission. The way that unfolds, we're watching him bleed out. She's like, let me show you freedom. It looks like he's going to die. And it looks like they're in the middle of nowhere, not anywhere near medical services or help. And it looks like she's resigned to the fact that he's going to die. Yet, we then get scenes where she has taken him to the hospital and he has survived. And it makes all of that questionable for that reason where I'm like... Man, that's too much blank space. And anytime they leave that much blank space, they like to go back and fuck with us. So much so that I watched the after show thing where they interview all the writers and the showrunners and shit. And Jonathan Nolan's fuck ass shows up on there. (laughs) He's like, yeah, we really like fucking with the audience. Like straight up said it. He was just like, we like turning everything on its head. Y'all are never going to know what's happening. We screw with you. That's our job to mess with you. And for that reason, I am so not sold. On the whole Mavelub timeline, do you think Maeve so made a weird. host Caleb that? So like that's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. But what makes it even more confusing is that later in the episode we do get the reveal that he did in fact die. 
in this other room, which means that he would have had to have survived and all that other stuff would have had to have been legitimate storyline. So it really did happen that way. Maeve and Caleb stop her hobo him. He gets capped. She gets him to a hospital. And then she sees, like, you have to imagine, at that point, the world is free to some degree. They've destroyed the computer that was controlling yes. it. Yes. So she's like, fuck it. I'm going to walk away. But knowing Charlotte Hale is out there, right? She says, the only way I can keep this dude safe is to leave him alone. So all that tracks, it's just really weird the way they present it to us. Almost like they want you to just be unsure no matter what. Yes. Right? Yes. Well, and I think it's important to note that both times he was um, mortally injured, it was in the abdomen. So all of these cut shots of him bleeding out in the stomach, we don't know which one goes to when necessarily. And they're all very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He gets stabbed in the stomach. Hey, maybe get some better body armor, man. Cover the sides. Do something. Also, Maeve, um... Just for next time, if you see a man with a knife approaching your boy to shank him in the side, perhaps just shoot him first, not after. That's a good point. She's like, Caleb, watch out. Oh, shit, you've been shanked. I'll shoot the guy now. (laughs) There's a few scenes in this episode that make you go, holy God, please don't divert (laughs) back to season three shittiness. Like, don't, don't make us jump too far in the believability, like suspending belief realm. And they always found a way in this episode to kind of pull it, pull it back to solid again, to where I didn't feel the full shift into like, okay, I don't care because this is so nonsensical, right? So they still kept it in on the tracks, but there were a couple moments yes. where I was like, motherfucker. So the next thing chronologically is the kind of the main storyline this episode, which is how Caleb awoke from that fly bong he did and is with Charloris, <laughs> who tells him that she made him into a pet. Just like she's going to do to all humans. Charlotte reveals her plan to turn the 1920s park into the super spreader event of the century, like we mentioned earlier, with everyone who enters becoming a carrier of her mind control parasites, or as she calls them, a host. These two, Mavelob, were not extremely careful. Like, when they're leaving the, uh, the control center after fighting with the man in black, and they're like, we gotta, we gotta go. And there's flies everywhere, and they're like, taking their sweet-ass time getting in the elevator. I'm like, man, flies are getting in there with you. Shut the fucking door. You're <laughs> Do you, only letting them out. Uh, is it cheesy that she calls them hosts? Like, I call, I call them hosts. Did that hit bad for you? Serena? Yes. I, that was, I wrote it down in all caps in my notes. Is it cheesy that I prefer... It was the delivery, too. She goes, I prefer host. I will say, you're the first wave. You should be flattered. It's a quote that Charlora says. I, I literally said that to my fiance after she was one of the first 120 <laughs> people in Austin to get COVID. Um, here's my knock for the season so far. Tessa Thompson. She's the new uh, Aaron Paul. She stinks. I don't like her performance. Thank I, God somebody else said this. I, I think I, she's, I the doing wor- well with she's her. doing the worst job of anybody this season. She's been, she's been phenomenal in the past. Agree. S- season one, extremely good. This is this is not great. So, and I don't know if that's for a reason, but like her line, I call them hosts. All all of her good lines, or or that could be good lines, they're being delivered in a way that makes me end up not liking them. Ross, I swear, the I think the worst delivered line cheesiest line of the whole season came this episode. It's when you get this close-up of Char Loris's face looking at Caleb and she goes, how did you disobey me? What the it, fuck was that? I don't know why she can't like get the character back into place, but it's, I think it's probably difficult, confusing. She's Charlotte Hale, but she's playing 
Charloris, and it's just, I don't know, but she's not doing it. She's not hitting it, and it's that was another one of the yes. lines where I was like, I don't believe you. Right? I know, I know. How did you disobey me? And another one. If just Who the go, fuck are you talking to? After Maeve does her whole thing where she turns the speakers up and they ended up taking, you know, ki- uh, killing, quote-unquote, the man in black and taking Charloris prisoner. We get another one from Caleb. He walks over. All right. It's your turn to take orders. Like, why do they do that? I just, there's, this is such a good show. Some of the dialogue, like, this is one of those shows where the, the dialogue is probably the worst part of the show. Uh, the storyline is incredible. It's always been good, minus last season. The way that they're able to, to turn it on its head is so good. But some, some of the dialogue, season one, unbelievable dialogue. Season one, to me, still, obviously, the greatest season of television of all time. Any show, anything ever. Better than any movie. Season one of Westworld is the... In my opinion, the greatest piece of filmed art ever. I'm just saying it. Content. And the dialogue this season is sometimes so goddamn cheesy that it, it aggravates me. So, my least favorite scene in the whole episode is still when they finish off the Man in Black, and then for whatever reason the they camera feels it needs to go <laughs> back. Yeah, they're you know they're both <laughs> they're both working him. He finishes, and then they uh, they show his they show him dead on the ground. And then he does like the shredder thing. He like opens his eyes. We didn't need that. <laughs> yeah. None of us, not a single <laughs> viewer, was worried about the man in black or whether or not he was dead. We've oh. already been told she has an unlimited amount of versions of him. Oh my god, the man in black is dead. Holy shit, what a reveal. They show us him going Dum. like we're <laughs> like we're all gonna be like, holy fuck, that's crazy. No, we do not care. We know he can't be killed. She's got a fucking version of him in cryo. She can create as many as she wants. We don't care. Stop showing us the man in black. I don't need to see him fighting with Maeve every episode. I don't need that. We don't need it every episode. Um, but yeah, so basically Charlotte Hale has the man in black, the real one, still in that cryo chamber. And it seems like she's got an army of man in black yep. clones yep. that she can pretty much use to her bidding. Uh, so the reason why uh, Maeve and Caleb don't kill Charlotte is because they know that she has now infected Caleb. And they think that if they kill her, they'll never be able to figure out how to uninfect him or whatever. Do you guys think they should have just killed Charloris? Just said fuck it. In when they were in the control room after he said it's your turn to take orders, should the order have been okay, die bitch? That whole scene was stupid, bro. The he's got glass to her neck, and you're just like, what? Why is she going along with all this? She's not even fighting back. She seemed phased to the point where like she couldn't fight back. Like she, I think the the sound wave really fucked with her. Uh, okay, I, I can follow that. Serena just made a stank face. Because I had a big issue. My issue is not whether or not they should or should have killed, should or should not have killed Charloris. My issue is if she made all these upgrades to William slash the man in black where he's like doing the superhuman fighting, why wouldn't she upgrade herself like that? Like the entire time she's taken captive, she's just like, I'm in my handcuffs. Like everything's chill. Yeah. She doesn't do shit. It pissed me off. No, and I think that's, it's, I think that's on purpose. There's, all of this is supposed to make you feel like Charlotte's so in control that maybe she doesn't even need to really resist type of thing for me. That's That was my only read. Um, <clears throat> similarly, I'm not sure how much she can see, right? Like how much is she aware of all of the different things that are occurring? I assume she's almost omniscient at this point, right? She's mm-hmm. got so much knowledge in her head and is able to see so much. But it is confusing that Maeve can still like hack the whole system take it over, cause it to blow up the sound thing. Like, did that screw with the tower at all outside? The tower was on that control panel. I fucking saw it on the left side of it. Or did she just do inside the park? And 
or was it just that one? Because then when they go out into the park, aren't there still other sound machines out there? Nobody in the park seems at all aware of what has just occurred inside. It just makes it all very yeah. convoluted where you're like, okay, move to the next part of this fucking episode, please. By the way, if you are listening right now and you are an electronic music artist, can you please make a EDM remix of the tone? That's just Hans Zimmer. It kind of is. That, that sound, that's like the Interstellar soundtrack. They're yeah. going to get the bag from this Interstellar. Is. Yeah. Just copy that shit. <laughs> So uh, we talked about this already. The machine gets turned on. Caleb's having a bad time, getting really affected by the parasite in his brain. <sighs> Isn't full, like, is definitely under Charlotte's control to a degree, but never really fully does her bidding. He's able to kind of resist it at the last second. Yeah, I still think this has to do with the Mave connection. Maybe free will. There's it's something we don't really know exactly why. It's still very up in the air. What? Why? It, again, I've I've asked it every week. What? What's special about this dude? Why do we care about this dude? And they finally plugged a little back in with the outlier conversation that happens with the rebels, where I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I remember him being an outlier. He's got some level of yeah. ability, so whatever. So Caleb gets stabbed, as we said, is bleeding, has to be taken care of by Maeve, just like in the past, kind of like an old lang sign callback thing, you know? It's like old back acquaintances. To song. I know, right? The Man in Black intercepts them, a gunfight ensues, the result of which is Maeve and Host Man in Black both dying with both deaths, of course, being impermanent as they are robots. And until you get a real, <laughs> clear robot death, it's not really, it doesn't hit that hard. Never does. And then we get the biggest reveal of the entire episode, which we all need to discuss. In sixth sense fashion, Caleb was dead the whole time. And Charloris has been making him relive his past as part of his fidelity testing as she has created a host, Caleb. And also, she owns Olympiad Entertainment, where Christina works. And also, Charloris won and controls the entire world. And apparently, only Bernard can now stop her. Serena, thoughts? I'm right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the gist of it. So this episode was the biggest so far because it made sense of everything we've seen through the first three, right? Like, we know where Bernard is at. We know what he's doing. We know why. We know what timeline he's in. We know what he's up against. All of that is is tracking again, right? The questions I have are around Caleb, the fidelity testing, the 276th version of him that he is currently. Uh, that seems like it would take a while. I don't know. Has this? So he's been dead for 20 years. 23? Plus. 23, 23 years. So. And that entire time... She's been fidelity testing this version of him. To what end? To get him to the point where he eventually becomes awakened, like he appears to at the beginning, at the end of this episode. I think. I think. I think he. She finally gets him to realize what happened. I, I mean, here's my question: Why have a fidelity tested version of Caleb? And the only answer I can come up with is that she knows his daughter is a front runner in the resistance, and she needs a way to stop that. I think she was doing that. Before I I don't I don't think Frankie knew Frankie like old I guess old Frankie, the new adventures of old Frankie. I think I don't think that she is a that high up in the resistance. I think she probably knows she's a member of it, but she clearly is like almost getting one upped by the other guy by well, Jay. It's, it's the the point I get back to is like why this guy? So why he, is he so important? Okay. Why is she spending all this time on him? She does say, uh, Dolores and Maeve both liked you so much that I want to keep you around and see what all the fuss is about. So I think she realizes that of all the humans, he's like the one human trying to free the humans, right? And she's like, oh, well, fuck you. And you're both both my biggest enemies ever loved you. And like, so I'm going to torment you. I also think of, she wants the same to, way she's tormenting the man in black. She, I, the, To my knowledge, 
Caleb is now the only human. I sh- sorry, I should say the only former human host who is fully sentient enough to understand what Charloris has done to him. So it's like, hey, you're a human. I'm going to torment the fuck out of you by making you realize what I've done to you. You are a complete robot now. You are under my control. You are you are the you are the in Charloris's head the human example to like, hey, this is what you did to us. Now, now you I've can done it fully experience it, not just subconsciously, not just like being in the loop. You fucking know now, I bitch. Think you, I think you hit it on the head. It's a, it's revenge. And yes. it's, it all plays into what she said over and over this season, which is I'm going to do to you what you did to me. Make you my pet like you did to us. Yes. She says that this episode. So the more well, she could get him to buy into that, the more suffering, the more torture. Yes. Serena? When her whole villain arc is born of losing her perceived family. So she has this version of Caleb where his most important thing is his family. And so there's a lot of parallelism between what they stood to lose and how they can be tormented. True. I, mm-hmm. I forgot about the whole Charloris's family dying thing. That's why she became Charloris. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I mean, it almost, this season almost like commands a rewatch of, of season one after, after we get done. Cause I want to go back and see all the different parallels from this most recent, uh, set of episodes but i have a question based on what we've seen do we feel like outliers are genetic because if c or frankie is also i'm assuming an outlier it seems like what these guys are doing is is going in and extracting outliers adding them to their squad and building like that right yeah i get that it makes me feel like there's going to be some kind of a genetic tie to people who are able to resist what charloris has going or whatever but I mean, also you have Stubbs and Bernard now who are part of the resistance who are hosts. You also have Christina seemingly being, you know, courted to join the resistance with the maze on her fire escape. Right. So I, I really don't, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think the outlier thing, like you said, I think the human outliers are still, are being like recruited to be part of this group. Because they have some value. Yeah. Like how the fuck, is it maybe, wait, is, oh, huh. maybe is that why Caleb can't get affected? By the thing because he is an outlier. That's, that's I think that's the reason. Yeah, the same he, the reason, reason he he's able. By Rehoboam. It's the reason he's able to resist, right? Which is kind of what we touched on last episode. It's just he's maybe the Westworld Jesus thing was a little bit far. No, but, own it, own your. Take. Well, but if it's Westworld Jesus, if there were a whole bunch of Jesuses, right? S- but wait, there is one thing. The that, Jesus multiverse last. Theory. Last episode, one thing we discussed was when I was going on my whole outlier rant is that he was able to break what his predicted outcome was. And remember, he was supposed to kill himself. So the fact that he died in the park is the realization of he completely broke out of whatever his Rehoboam prediction was supposed to be. For sure. Yeah. No, that's a good point. We we did get away from we, we questioned last week whether or not just because Rehoboam was destroyed that that meant it had destroyed the stranglehold it had on everyone's fate. And it seems that is the case, at least for him, perhaps all outliers. Yes. This episode of Freeze All Motor Functions is also brought to you by Manscaped. Fellas, if you're like most men during the summer, you're busy chilling to the max, so it's pretty likely that your carpets need cleaning, drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing, if you know what I mean. And our amazing sponsor, Manscaped, is the global leader in below-the-waist grooming. Time to clear out your bush and join the other 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with our exclusive promo code FAMF. F-A-M-F. FAMF. Ross, don't ask me how. 
but I know for a fact that your downstairs mix-up is no longer heinous and a crime against humanity because you recently used Manscaped, right? Wow. No, I love all their products. They're amazing. Um, as I've said in the past, I'm particularly fond of the... Uh, what is the, the nose weed hair? Whacker. The weed whacker, man. It's for your nose and your ears. And I'm I'm 35. I'm getting up there. So the the nose hair, it's it's had a lot of years to grow. It's starting to become a problem. And a uh, big fan of the weed whacker. It's the best nose and ear hair trimmer in the game. Manscaped has the full package you need for grooming yourself right up. The Performance Package 4.0. It includes the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer so you can get the most precise shave on your downstairs hedges. It's waterproof, designed to reduce nicks, and is equipped with an LED light for precise trimming. It also includes the Weed Whacker, like Ross mentioned, the best nose and ear hair trimmer in the game. There's also the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and mm. moisturizer, and the Crop Reviver, a spray-on toner for your balls. If you have smelly or untoned balls, you're going to want to do something about that. You do. Then, of course, there's the legendary Plow 2.0, the perfect razor for the finest shave on your face, because if you're using your lawnmower 4.0 on your balls and your face, you're doing it wrong. Weird move. Weird move. Very weird. Get 20% off plus free shipping with our code FAM at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code FAM at manscaped.com. Finally, let's check back in with Bernard and Stubbs in the condemned lands where C saves J from killing B and S. That's Bernard and Stubbs. Hey, hey. Stubbs goes with J to retrieve another outlier while C and Bernard head out to retrieve the weapon. What do you guys think of Bernard almost getting owned by a drone for seemingly no reason? Just wait like two seconds, buddy. Wait till the drone goes over, then go get that beetle. Did you ever read on that? Serena? No, I, I thought that he had a plan. Like, I thought he was trying to get himself droned. And then when Frankie threw the beige thing over him, I was like, oh, he was really just... I mean, he knows I the mean, future. So he knew that was he knew he was going to be fine. But it's just like, dude, why would you freak Frankie out like that, man? Jerk. It was a well, weird maybe- moment. Maybe the only thing I could think of, I did think of this like while we were while I was watching it is maybe in the infinite versions that he's seen, there was some version where, you know how like the whole butterfly effect theory is, is that the fluttering of a butterfly's wings could change everything. Maybe there is some minutia in him making that move that either we will or won't see, but he had a reason for it in his own. Maybe he had to get that beetle right then to know where it would fly so we could yeah that's true it's a possibility so we realize that the condemned lands are the delos construction area that Maeve exploded and that the weapon is Maeve herself and that c is frankie so the most popular fan theory of the last week was proven true which is why you know we i believe had a listener who said that to us i'm sure that everybody on reddit has known that for probably two and a half years now they're like, oh, yeah, in two and a half years, uh, C is going to be Frankie. But, like, I'm happy that I was able to experience that in real time with the listeners. It was very nice. So how do we think Bernard plans to use Maeve as a weapon? This is my biggest uh, question coming out of the episode, Jared, is it, it was a lot of talk about this weapon. We're all stoked on this weapon. Seems like this weapon's going to be real dope. It's under, <laughs> it's the, be, it's under the sand. Yeah. Maybe a shark with laser beams. Friggin' laser beams attached to its forehead. We don't know. But it ends up being uh, uh, Maeve, who's been on vacay under the sand for 23 years, barely any damage to her, even though she sustained a bomb blast. She's like fucking Robert Pattinson's she's, Batman. She's Mrs. Bombastic. Yeah, she's complete. <laughs> Maeve is fantastic. Good reference. Thank she's you. a, uh, she's uh she's the weapon. And my question is, and Serena, I'd love to hear your thoughts too. How is this supposed to make us feel good? Because if the weapon is just Maeve. I'm not confident we're going to win this war. <laughs> she couldn't beat Charlotte the first time. She couldn't even beat the man in black one-on-one. What the fuck is she going to do? 
But Maeve could control, she had some way to kind of tap into the tower. Bingo. So that would be my only theory is that she was able to control the tones. And when she was controlling the tones, she was using frequencies that actually were not detrimental to humans, but were detrimental to hosts. So that's I don't know point. if that's going to be That's, a, that's a great point. Yes. She, she can hurt the hosts. You, you have crushed it, ma'am. She is the weapon because... We just watched earlier in the episode her gain access to all of Charloris' system and, and utilize it against her. So, obviously, Bernard has knowledge of that. He has seen everything that has happened, could have happened, or will happen, or would happen, or could happen. And uh, he knows she's got powers. We just and he need to trust it. Bernard. We do. Look, the only reason he would go do this is because he said he's seen a path that he dies at the end of, but he's seen a path to save humanity, so we should just assume that if Bernard is getting Maeve, that she will be involved in saving humanity. Trust Bernard. Bernard yeah. is Westworld Jesus. Bernard is Jonathan Nolan and, and Lisa Joy's avatar because he is beaten down. He's disgusted with us as an audience for questioning his every move. He's completely monotone at this point. And if we if we can't just trust him, then he wants us to fuck off. Yep. And I, I trust him. I, I trust too. him. I trust him fully. After this one, I do. Anybody have any final thoughts on this insanely good episode? Best episode of the season, in my opinion. I would say it's up there in the Hall of Fame for episodes. It, because, and this is the last thing I'll say about it. Remember back in our like vanishing point bitch days, this was like the vanishing point of all the timelines. Like all the timelines converged. It's really satisfying. It, we feel like we know kind of where we are, but there's still a lot up in the air. So there's still a lot to be like discovered and there's wonder. I, I think we're in a really good spot and I'm really excited for the back half of the season. Oh, I agree. Uh, also agree. This is one of the best uh, episodes of Westworld ever and i mean there's just so many pieces of it and the season is humming along so well they got frank ocean songs being played on pianos uh no 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 idea why they would give billy eilish's bad guy credit in the subtitles but not give frank ocean's pink and white credit in the subtitles the same way um but yeah i mean i'm caleb being dead in the present day timeline was not surprising at all i did not see that as a big reveal i don't care how much they sold aaron paul on it being a big reveal it is it is not the big twist there is going to be a massive ending twist that yes. they have written for this season that is going to be absolutely insane, that is going to get this show back where we were, like, all the way back where we were with season one, if not past it, in my opinion. I just get this feeling, man, watching everything we've seen so far and watching Jonathan, uh, Nolan and Lisa Joy talk about it like they have us right where they want us. Perfect. That does it for Freeze All Motor Functions Season 4, Episode 4 Recap. You can and should follow us on Instagram at Freeze All Motor Functions and Twitter and TikTok at Freeze All Motor for Westworld and FAMP updates all season long. If you prefer to watch your podcasts, every episode of Freeze All Motor Functions is also available on the YouTubes. Serena, where can the people follow you? I am at Serena underscore Therese. That's T-H-E-R-E-S-E -E on everything. And Ross Bolin. At WR Bolin on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the Ross Bolin podcast, also brought to you by Bolin Media, wherever you're listening to Faith. You can also follow me at Jared Borislow on all social media. And if you like Formula One, check out Formula Bone at Formula Bone everywhere, Formula Bone on YouTube for my Formula One content. The, best, the best Formula One content. It is the best, the very best. Time for the NPR style sign off. Freeze on Motor Functions has been brought to you by Bolin Media and is hosted by me, Jared Borislow, along with Ross Bolin and Serena. The show is produced by me, Jared Borislow, at the Bolin Media Studios in Austin, Texas. Special thanks to Phil from D.C., a.k.a. Schnapple, on SoundCloud for our intro music and Brad Hess for our outro music. Until next time, folks. Fam, 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 fam.
Kings of motherfuckers.